0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Work. The Work is a podcast that my colleague, my long-term colleague and good friend, Gene Achille and I do every week, talking to the people who make the intellectual mountains of the HR tech industry and its related fields move. Today, we're going to be spending some time with Richard Rosenau. Richard is the uh, Vice President of People Analytics Strategy at OneModel, which is the recently significantly funded market competitor to a company like Vizier, say. OneModel is a um, derivative of one of the formative companies in the people analytics space. Uh, whose name loses me right now, but tell me, Richard, um, Australia, what's their name? Yeah,
1: we have a long history with uh, the company called
0: InfoHRM. 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 One model is the linear descendant of InfoHRM. And Richard has been everywhere in people analytics. He's been at Uber, Facebook, Nike, Argo, the car company, a big bank and has run the West Coast half of the um, People Analytics uh, Meetup, which has like a 1,000 or two people in the United States between the San Francisco version and the New York version, and is ground zero for the People Analytics business. Richard also spent some time with me working on the... um, Ethics Advisory Board for Arena Analytics for several years. So, Richard, welcome to the party. What did I miss?
1: Thank you so much. No, uh, you nailed it. Very, very happy to be here. Uh, like I said before we started, longtime listener of the work, uh, love the work that both of you do on this this podcast. So very happy to
0: be here today. So, so let's let's start with the softball question. There's only one. There's only one. He
2: means that there's only one. (laughs) They get much, much worse after this one. I'm ready, John.
0: (laughs) So, so um, if there's anything that you want to further illuminate about one model, this is about the, you got a tiny little window to do that. Uh, But, but the real question is what the hell is people analytics strategy in the first place? I mean, that's, you you know, that's, that's, People analytics is the business of figuring out how to measure people inside of organizations, and so um, when I think about your job title, I go strategy.
1: <laughs> so it it's a fun one. No, I, I'm I'm very blessed to be in the role I'm in. Uh, I, I spent a number of years kind of bouncing around different people analytics teams, learn from absolutely some of the best in the industry, and uh, this role I'm in, I'm actually I get to work sort of horizontally across the company. Uh, so within one model, I get to work across our marketing, sales, customer success, data science, product. And I bring that sort of like captured practitioner lens, that's the way I like to put it. So a little bit of this like, hey, what does the market think about this space? How do we make sure we're, we're staying close to who our market is? And then externally, uh, I'm out in the market supporting the community. Uh, so building people analytics, learning about people analytics. And frankly, I, I have a lot of conversations about people analytics, which makes me very happy. Uh, But the nice thing about this is that I get to hear about uh, people's difficulties and and the successes and what's going on in the market. I get to funnel that back to one model where I can and I get to push that out to the community, too. Uh, So in in a very, very happy spot between those two areas and thrilled that one model brought me on board to do this, do this role.
2: So So I have a a quick question before John gets into his tough ones. Who's your customer? When we talk about people analytics, you know, I was at a dinner earlier in the week, and we were talking about uh, bemoaning the the what's happening in the HR category, where so many senior HR leaders are actually saying, "No mas," you know, "I'm out of here. I lived through COVID. You know, there just isn't any more I can do for you." Um, who's your customer? You know, are you seeing are you seeing your customer base expand beyond conversations with HR?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. We we do have a lot of conversations with HR and, and really, truly as a company, we, we love the HR function, working with those teams. We work a lot with people analytics leaders. Uh, so being a sort of people analytics platform, we're we're sort of like an operating system for a people analytics team across mm-hmm. the data engineering, the data storytelling, the data science, they can kind of all happen within there. We are seeing a little bit more interest from IT leaders too. Uh, so one of the things OneModel does really well, we were, we were really born out of that data engineering, data orchestration space, like let's solve this hairy problem of HR tech is everywhere. You have lots of different tech systems. Let's get all that data into one spot. Uh, so we do also have pipeline conversations. And I, I think maybe the third customer we're hearing from more and more is actually other HR tech vendors. Uh, so we, we've solved some of these kind of core problems in the space of being that sort of central data engine, that analytical engine in the space, and being able to embed what we do quietly without a lot of fuss into a lot of other HR tech vendors to help them uh, really advance what they're doing on that front that's maybe our our third audience we're seeing a little bit more of lately, which is, which has been a lot of fun.
2: So John, back over to you. Thank you for that, Richard. That's very helpful. Um, I I just want to make sure we're, we're all, we're all on the same page with regard to who you're serving. And that's particularly interesting that you're working with other vendors as well.
0: So, so I want to sort of drive back to people analytics. You and I have been talking to people about people analytics in HR for a decade? It's been a long time. It's been a long time. And it was a wisp of an idea uh, that has that has taken some shape. But I still don't see massive adoption. And I don't see uniform agreement on what it is. Right. So so if people analytics is recruiting figuring out time to hire. That's not really very interesting. There's kind of a a strategic level to people analytics that much of HR doesn't focus on because HR is so tactical in its orientation. And so part of the problem with adoption of people analytics has been um, it requires a more strategic view to deploy a people analytics function in your organization. Um, how's that going? That's a, that's a ground war where where you move one trench at a time to, to make progress. How's that, how's that generically going across the business?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk about this one. It's a, it's a question. I get, I get the question a lot in my role, like what is people analytics? And as someone who's been like so deeply entrenched in this field for so long, my my mind just shatters a little bit when I get that question. Cause it's one that I should be able to answer quickly though. Because uh, to me, it's everything. I mean, I, I, my my whole hobby, my space, my my day to day is around this space. But I've, I've really boiled it down to a pretty clear definition, at least in my mind, about what people analytics is. And I, I think the first step is really separating out the act of people analytics and the function. That's a big one because otherwise, you get into these sort of semantic holy wars about what it could be and what it isn't. But the act of people analytics, in my mind, is uh, decision support for HR. It really comes down to that. As much as like it, it had more of a birth in kind of like data and numbers and stats. The goal at the end of the day is we need to help HR make better decisions and and maybe even workforce decisions a little bit outside HR. So the act of people analytics is everybody's responsibility. Similar to recruiting has like an act and a function too, where the act of recruiting, managers have to recruit, different people have to recruit. Everybody participates in that act across the organization. So the act of people analytics is one thing. The function of people analytics then is sort of that, that central team that supports good decision making across the workforce and related to the workforce. So it might be a center of excellence. It might be a small unit. It might be setting the guardrails for the rest of the organization. Maybe it's preparing and making sure data is available to support decision making. But that kind of lets you kind of say that the function of people analytics, we, we see those at the largest organizations. I think we see the act of people analytics across the board now. And it's something that um, uh, similar to kind of the conversation we've been having so far, I, I saw that kind of upheaval that happened early in the year within the HR function. We saw sort of finance teams come in with a 7% layoff across the board a lot of copycat layoffs that happened. And there was a question around like, Hey, has there been a pullback in people analytics? And um, it actually prompted me to go look for a bunch of the jobs. And so since then, I've been pulling down all of the people analytics jobs in the space. So I, I've got a board now that's got about 450 roles today, across the US, UK, Australia, and Canada. Uh, those are the four countries I could do manually before I started tapping out on just my time. Uh, but the benefit of that is I, I've really gotten a, a finger on the pulse of like, what's going on with hiring and what's going on with the roles. And the part I would add to this, John, about like what's happening with adoption, I'm seeing people analytics as a keyword pop up in a lot of HR roles, uh, kind of across the board. So not just that central team, but the act of people analytics, I'm seeing that more and more often. And I'm seeing it because they get caught in my net as I, as I go look for these jobs and I have to go sort through them all. But it's a really, it's a positive thing to see a lot of HRVP jobs now say, you've got to be able to read reports. You've got to be able to speak people analytics. Uh, A lot of different roles kind of across the business are starting to use that term more often. So I, I think there was a there was a bit of a slowdown maybe in tech. I think the West Coast saw a lot of people analytics jobs shut off early in the year, but we saw a bit of a response across like pharma and banking, and it's a lot of like the, the non sexy companies. It's it's not Fang that's hiring right now. It's a lot of like across the industry. I'm seeing more and more teams pop up. So it's uh, I I think we're still in the growth period, but it's definitely a bit more of a tempered growth. The the era of the 150 300 person people analytics teams. I think that era might be coming to a close and that's both driven by, we, we see a lot of new tech coming out as well as we see a lot of things kind of being embedded into the business in different ways, but we're starting to see a lot of these teams that had nothing before pick up small units. And so the, the talent market is still very tight for people analytics roles and people analytics talent. So I, I rambled a little bit there, John, but uh, if you want me to zoom in, I'd be happy to watch
0: the space. Let me narrow that for you. Market share. Let, right so 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 you the, the what I heard was four hundred and fifty rolls, and I thought, oh, out of thirty thousand companies, that's about where I think the market <laughs> share is. Um, um, but I bet you have a better answer than that, you know so 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 there's this sort of qualitative answer that you gave, but I'm really interested in in the adoption curve um and yeah. and some sense. You gotta have this if you're if you're working at one model and you're a vendor of these solutions. You gotta have a view of what readiness looks like, and you gotta have a view of what a ready customer looks like. And it isn't everybody. Um, so so what does what does a ready customer for one model look like? And. Um, what percentage of the overall market that you think is the people analytics market that could be served by one model is what what does that look like
1: that's a that's a good question i'm going to be a little bit more general than specific but uh it's a really good question to talk through i think when it comes to maturity and adoption curve a lot of what one model follows is is around the people analytics space too uh so Mm -hmm. if a team doesn't have a people analytics team they're probably going to struggle kind of getting things up and running by themselves without a someone who kind of knows what's going on in that space. So we, we do, we do track and trend there to a degree. Uh, we, we have also our, our essentials product is a little bit more user ready, a little bit more quick. Uh, we work with some partners that kind of get people off the ground before they have a people analytics team. So it's, there's some, there's some variety there, but the, when it comes to adoption, I, I had, I had a couple experiences as a people analytics practitioner that I saw you can go too fast. Uh, you can definitely try to build teams too quickly, which was an interesting reaction. Um, so, without naming names, kind of just talking about my my history within the space, I've seen teams grow from kind of zero to a hundred, and to try to do that in a year, uh, I found there's a bit of an upper bound with that, with how quickly the organization can metabolize change when it comes to moving to a data-driven culture. Uh, so, I, I have a better respect now, late, a little bit later in my career, around how quickly this sort of change can happen. So, I, I think the the tenure, the politics, the things you need to actually make change within an organization—it's—it's it's tempered my mind just a little bit in terms of how quickly people analytics can spread. Uh, but I, I think there's there's a lot of things that teams can do with one or two people, uh, maybe even someone who has part of their job to get get a little bit digger, dig a little bit deeper into the data to move into that space. So I, I know I'm, I'm bouncing from kind of one model back to the people analytics space in general. Um, but I, I think we're entering this sort of next era of people analytics, where it was very much so like, HR needs to be data driven. Let's drag HR there, kicking and screaming. Previously, I think we're starting to enter this era of, hey, HR had a lot of things right. People analytics has to support that in a different way. And it's a, it's a tempered next decade in people analytics here, I think that will be a little bit more cautious, a little bit more thoughtful, and a little bit more partnered with the HR functions. And so that, that that's been interesting to see in this space too.
2: Richard, is there a magic ratio of number of people analytics experts within an organization to the size of the employee population?
1: I that's a there's a couple of benchmarks that try to get there. I, I don't think there is yet. I, I think there's there's probably like a if you have a hundred people in your organization and you can still kind of see everybody in one big auditorium, you might not need people analytics yet. Because as you can kind of get a bunch of like $5 gift cards to a coffee shop and just go meet a bunch of people. You, you could learn a lot from your organization in that kind of small scale. So I think people analytics really kicks in when you get that like second or third layer of management and the CEO can't really talk to everybody anymore. So I think that's kind of the one is like, you, you've got to be at a certain scale where you have enough people that you've got to listen at scale. I, I think the what I see a lot of is more related to profit margin. And there's a couple of companies that have tried to say that people in analytics drives profit margin because we see large people in analytics teams at companies that have large profit margins. I, I think it's maybe it's a little bit callous, but I think it's the other way around. I think companies that have large profit margins have funding that they invest in HR, and then we see people in analytics teams start to thrive. And, and there's hopefully a virtuous cycle there that, that eventually leads to better margins and, and better insights across. But you, you tend to see larger teams at companies that have uh, like pharma, defense, uh, tech banking, those kind of like large kind of profit or, or funding to go after it. Um, and it also
2: those are very heavily regulated for the most part, what you've yeah. just mentioned heavily regulated. That's a, good, that's a good point too. Yeah. I'd love to, love to have you speak to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in, in a heavily regulated environment where you've got to be able to kind of speak with accuracy to your numbers to be able to kind of report up and report out, uh, having, having a clear understanding of your data in your, your organization is, is critical. Yeah. I, I, whether it's the regulation or whether it's the profit margin i think that's a good good debate maybe that's, yes uh, it's a
2: fascinating debate yeah. <laughs> i see john is thinking on that i see smoke coming out of his ears in fact
0: <laughs> well well so so i wonder cuz cuz we've been talking about people analytics so far in this conversation as a sort of a a theoretical construct. Maybe, maybe you could give me and the audience, uh, oh, the top five metrics that a people analytics team could provide that would um, help us understand sort of the practical nature of people analytics and and what a people analytics person would do that a regular HR person doesn't do.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think I get this question a lot about kind of like which metric should I should I go after? I think the, the feedback I always give to teams is figure out what your core business problem is or what where's the pain in your organization and go after those metrics. Because if I give you five metrics in L&D and your company is dying on recruiting, those are not the five you should start with. But I, I think to, to illustrate the, the space of people analytics, I mean, the, the core one that comes up more often than you'd like is headcount. Just what is our headcount today? And that's one of those questions that like, as you push on it, there's almost like a, like a quantum layer beneath of like, how do you define headcount? What is headcount? Is it start a period, end a period? Is it average over a period and all of these different ways that different companies calculate what headcount is let alone, do they have a system that actually rolls up into one place? So I think that that idea of just like, let's just get descriptive about who our organization is and what's happening so that we don't have to go by by our gut. We don't have to cobble things together. We just know at a given point on a given day, we have this many people in our organization. And here's what they're like. That That's a huge win for a lot of companies out there. And I don't want to discredit that or say like that's that's reporting because that, that actually builds a lot of trust for people in analytics teams to get that right and to start from that place of stability and confidence and just, okay, our numbers are now correct. I think the next place you see a lot of people analytics teams go is a, is a little less metric driven, but more about diagnosis. So one of the things that as a CHRO, why I would want a people analytics leader on my team is someone that I could turn to and say, hey, I have I think I have a problem here. Can you go figure out what's going on? And it's a little bit like going to the doctor to say like, hey, my, my kid's sick and I, I don't know why, I don't know what's happening, but the doctor knows and they can kind of poke around, they can do some tests, they can see what's happening and report things back out. So I, I think a people analytics team can act as that sort of diagnosis tool for a CHRO. kind of go in understand find out where the problem is and then propose some solves and then you start getting into sort of that kind of like predictions and forecasting uh where it's sort of hey what will happen if i pull this lever on increasing employee pay what can i expect to happen within my organization and those sort of conversations about connecting actions to outcomes i think that's where people analytics teams really see their most like high profile value to say we know that if you take this action you're going to get this result or we think it will, or it's correlated in some way. Uh, that that's a really powerful thing for people analytics teams.
0: So, so you just described the people analytics people analytics leader who has to be good at people analytics and HR and understanding the company that they operate in, uh, which means. Hiring somebody externally to do that is a super challenging thing to do. Yeah. To
2: where do you in- find this person?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I'll give a shout out to uh, we, we had Nicole.
1: Hazard. I do a uh, a career, pe- a career conversation every two weeks with Northwestern where we, we bring on hiring managers huh. to talk about their open people analytics roles. It's, it's a really fun conversation, but we brought on Nicole Hazard from Citizens Bank and she's tremendous, but her background is in social work and law. And before she got into people analytics, and I, I've said to a bunch of people now, and, and shout out to Nicole, she's, she's wonderful. I said, that's the background I think you actually need to be successful a lot of times in, in these kind of high profile leadership roles, is a really clear understanding about how to articulate your problems and then to help someone make change. Uh, that, that's almost as more valuable in a people analytics leader than some of the data science, because you, you can find data scientists now, they, they're out there. What you can't find is someone who can blend that with HR. So yeah, I, I think that's why this, this people analytics leadership role is still a very, very hot market. Uh, they, they're hard to find, but they're they're out there. They're well employed. They're happy, and uh, it's it's a good time to be a people analytics leader.
0: So, plug this conversation thing. How do people tune into the conversation? That yeah. that, that would be that would be useful. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a partnership
1: with uh, Deb Weiss out of Northwestern. Uh, so she and I, early in the year, we're we're both frustrated about seeing kind of some of the layoffs that had happened, some of the teams that got affected, and we wanted to help connect people. And so we we did them every two weeks throughout the year. We're, we're on a August hiatus, but we're going to kick off again in September. Uh, we have not done a tremendous job marketing yet, but we've been posting them on LinkedIn. We're going to build out a landing page going forward, and we'll have a spot where we can direct people. But for now, it's uh, follow Richard on LinkedIn, and you'll, you'll hear about them.
0: Follow Richard on LinkedIn. So so we got to get the spelling of your name right at the end of this. Thanks. Absolutely.
2: Uh, and, and, you know, Northwestern, I'm a Northwestern grad, so now you have me fascinated by this. And I think this is potentially a flag I need to pick up and run with. So... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, this is great. <laughs> Deborah Weiss out of Northwestern. She's actually out of Northwestern School of Law. She runs a phenomenal uh, conference called Tel Reos. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a leadership roundtable of people analytics leaders. It's once a year. They, they put on the whole show. It's it's a tremendous way for people analytics leaders to learn from kind of other mature people analytics teams in the space. So just a shout out for that conference too. She, she does great work.
0: So... so- the people analytics community. Let's let's. We're, we're we're coming to the end of the time, but the people analytics community is fascinating to me. There are not many examples in HR tech, and I don't think there are many examples. There, there's some in product management, uh, but there are not very many examples of communities that have bootstrapped themselves into existence, and that seems to be the case with people analytics. Um, and you're like the progenitor of all this stuff, right? So you come on and we've got you on this podcast where you can toot your own horn and you talk about Deborah Weiss. Um, um, That's exactly what I see all the time in the people analytics community. It's an awesome thing that you don't see everywhere else. Why? Why? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I've got some theories on this, actually, because I, 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 of course, like study this community, think about it a lot, and I, I, I truly love the people in community. I, I owe my career to, the, to having these great mentors and people I've connected with over the time. I think there's this this Venn diagram of people and data, and in the center of that Venn diagram, you get the people the analytics people, and it acts as a really nice trap because if somebody's just in it for the money or they're just in it for the business they can go get paid more, going to finance analytics or marketing analytics or somewhere else. If they just care about the data, they'll go that way. And so you get this really, really good solid group of people that, that are in this space and in this field because they care about getting back. Uh, it's one of the best benefits of working in people analytics is you can actually help make work better. As a data scientist, as a data engineer in the space, you can do things that make people's lives better. And so you get this really like inherently strong group of people in the middle I think also as a community, it, it has a lot of roots with all the teams going to hire one person to start. And that's a bit of a lonely job. I, I know when, when, I, when I first found the New York City People Analytics Meetup, I was the only person on my team who was even interested in data and kind of HR. And I walked into this room full of 100 people that were so fired up about it that I could like drop the mask and, and chat with folk and just like didn't have to explain what People Analytics was and didn't have to explain <laughs> why I was interested. And I got to just really dig into this maturity of the space. So I think there's that like start as like teams of one that are out there. Like everyone really craves that community of people. And then that really nice uh, trap we have that that keeps the good people, people with us.
0: That's awesome. awesome. So, so how do you think this is going to play out? Is it a decade before we have a total data driven HR function or, or is there going to be an acceleration here of some kind? This
2: still seems very nascent to me.
1: Yeah, I'm. I've, I've got an interesting thing. I, I've been increasingly frustrated that teams still have to beg for this. Uh, so a lot of HR teams out there, they're like, "Hey, I want to be data driven. I want to get people analytics teams. I want to get a people analytics software, but they get pressed to put together an ROI." And what I've learned about the ROI word is a lot of times that's finance saying please go away.
2: Yes, uh, exactly. It's like reality, it's like filing no, it's, an insurance claim to find.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's tough because trying to do an ROI without data is impossible. We can do these really qualitative ROIs about what we expect might happen or what we think is going to occur. But the fact of the matter is like, you actually need a people analytics team or a people analytics software to try to do an ROI. And so there's a little bit of this chicken and the egg thing happening where finance and IT want an ROI They want to know what's going on, but then you actually don't have the data to achieve it. And it's 2023 and we don't have data in HR. So I'm actually, I think there's going to be a moment where HR is just going to have a little bit of a riot that says like, hey, like IT and finance, you have data. These other teams in the company have data. Like how are we managing the workforce without data in 2023? So I think there's going to be a, a revolution there. Yeah, please. Richard,
2: could you start that journey with a, a function within the organization that we know is metrics driven, such as the sales team? Because there's always data in sales. You know who's performing against quota and who's not. So I, I'm curious, you know, if you if you are put in a position to to create that that ROI um, model, do, can you start there? Like, is that a reasonable starting
1: place? It's it's a great point. You, you see a lot of teams go after sales, contact centers, and retail, where you have uh, high volume, uh, high repeat, similar roles that have clear outcomes. And those three, those three areas are closer to the actual dollars. So the step you get closer to the dollars, it's a little bit easier to make the ROI conversation happen. The problem with HR is a lot of times we say things like, if we make the workforce 5% more excited about being at work, What's the outcome? How, how do we, how do we generate the kind of ROI plan for that? And a lot of times HR helps people who help people who do the work and that chain is just a, a fantastically difficult statistics problem to solve. So you end up with sometimes with this little bit of a butterfly effect where it's like HR makes a small change and it either is a $10 million ROI or, or nothing happened. And it's a little bit hard for those HR teams and I empathize with them. And I'm trying to share the word about it a little bit like HR has a harder time building an ROI than the other functions because of our distance to the actual revenue. And it's not a bad thing that we're distant from the revenue because we're we're helping employees who then are close to the revenue that actually execute on these things. But that task itself is difficult. And so teams that are wondering like, why am I having a hard time with ROI? Why can't I communicate in the same way as the marketing team or the the sales team about the the requests they're making? There there is some inherent things about HR that make that difficult. But uh, Gene, you're you're absolutely right. Sales, you, you see a lot of really good case studies in that. Unfortunately, you also see sales teams then hire a sales enablement or a sales team that sort of does people analytics for the exactly. sales team outside of HR. I've which seen is not that. Not a bad too. thing, yeah. but it ends up like a shadow HR team sometimes, which right. organizationally can be difficult.
2: Yeah, it's counterintuitive to do it that way. Absolutely. Well, John, I know we're almost at time, but I wanted to ask Richard about his paternity leave. Uh-huh. Boy, girl.
1: How old? Yeah, no. Where are we I'd now? be happy to. I'm, I'm <laughs> always thrilled to chat about my kids. I, I've got a, a four-year-old Jack and a seven month old Daisy and they are happy as could be. And, um, working remote has allowed me to just be really close to them and with them. And it's something I'm very thankful for with one model that I can continue doing that. But, um, it's something I, I try to plug that on my LinkedIn. Cause I've read a couple articles about like when men don't talk about paternity, everybody suffers. Exactly. And so trying to get men to talk about it a little bit more, to speak about being a caregiver um, it's and it's a small drop in, in the bucket, but I'm, I'm trying to just do a little bit more there and um, has led to some really lovely, wonderful conversations, too, with with folk that I, I care a lot about. So I love thank, that thanks for bringing it up.
2: Yeah, no, it always drives me crazy when people say things like, oh, my wife had a baby. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you had that baby together. You created a family. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. We're, we're in this together. So one last question, Richard, um, and then, sure. and and then we'll get you to tell people how to get a hold of you. Um, if I want to learn more about people analytics, and I uh, right, so so I, somehow somebody gave me this. Uh, I've been listening to this great podcast called The Boring Podcast um, late at <laughs> night, where this guy reads long Wikipedia articles in order to help you get to sleep. Right, <laughs> and, and it's it's great um if somebody wanted to fi- somebody li- was listening to this late at night and they wanted to find out how to learn more about people analytics where's the best place to start
1: yeah they uh from the community i'd, I'd say find david green uh david green does a monthly roll-up of all the people analytics articles in the space he's tremendous uh find me on linkedin i share things all the times i like all kinds of things about people analytics If you hook up to my LinkedIn, your feed will suddenly get bombarded with people analytics stuff. So that's a good place to go. I think it's interesting. There's actually, there's a number of certification programs now and actually some master's programs too. Uh, So I know Stanford has a wonderful certification by Amit Mohindra. NYU has a master's program in people analytics and HR tech by Anna Tavis. Uh, There's a number of other kind of, there's actually even some bachelor's courses you can take. So there's some formal education that's starting to build around the space, which is exciting. And then, um, actually, on the on the One Model website, I just shared yesterday a list of all the books from the people analytics space. So I went through and curated a, a list of all the different resources and things that are out there. It's a lot of like the bookshelf of things that have inspired me in the space. And so I've I started putting together some more of those resources through the One Model uh, website too. Uh, so that's that's a great place to go. Any other spots? I mean, there, there's a tremendous podcast community as well. Uh, so so look for people analytics podcasts and um, and reach out and find somebody. I'd say just um, as a final plug, those meetups are tremendous. Uh, So we actually need to kick the one off here in Pittsburgh, where I am now. But the New York City one, the Bay Area one, Annika Schultz has kicked off the Bay Area one again, Jeremy Shapiro with New York City and Stella Lupe Shore. But actually, most major cities have one now. I saw Seattle, Dallas, uh, Orlando, we had one recently. So more and more often, this community is trying to get together. And so odds are, wherever you might be, there's probably a meetup nearby. And if you can't find one, reach out to me and I'll, I'll connect you to somebody.
0: Fantastic. So, so take a moment. Tell people exactly how to get a hold of you. Spell your name so that they yeah. get it right. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you for having me on. Uh, my name is Richard Rose. Now, Rose.
1: Now, two kind of two words. smushing together. together. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. If you type Richard Rose now, People Analytics, I should pop up. And uh, onemodel.co slash blog, that's where we have, I have tremendous colleagues over at One Model. They're always publishing uh, fantastic content about a number of different topics. I mean, we, we have just a, an incredible roster of people that are thinking about the space, talking about the space, trying to get the word out. And uh, that's where you can go to find other resources. And then our roles page, if you type roles in One, or one Model, roles, people analytics into Google, we should pop up on there. Uh, that's where you can go find those 450 people analytics jobs that are out there around the world.
2: That is Great. so generous. I, I'm just, I'm just awestruck by how generous it is to have curated this list of books and and uh, positions and, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Richard. Thank you for being such a, a terrific contributor today.
0: I think, I think that's the nature of One Model. I think that, I think, I think the reason that Richard works at One Model is because th- it's a place where this would happen. It's, a, it's a very interesting company. Yeah, i so, will
1: second that. Feeling, feeling very grateful.
0: Yeah. So, thanks again, Richard. It's been a treat. You've been listening to The Work, the podcast that I do every week with my colleague and dear friend, Gina Killey. You can find us wherever podcasts are sold. Thanks. Come back and see us again. Bye-bye.